0: Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, your most recent column here was about Max Kepler and how he turned things around and how uh, many of us, myself included, and I think yourself included, were ready to move on from Max early in the season when he was struggling. But uh, Falvey and Levine had different ideas. Good thing they did.
1: Yeah, I, it's interesting because I talked to a lot of people in Twins organization, and because I said, "Listen, I was ready to get rid of Max maybe a year before everybody else was ready to get rid of Max." <laughs> and the way he played uh, through June this year, or especially early June, I thought, "God, he's—I know he's a good fielder, but how how important is fielding if you're not making contacts, if you're not driving the ball, uh, if you're performing like a below-average offensive player in the yeah. major leagues?" And <clears throat> you know, so I I asked, and I've heard that a bunch that other people in the organization were kind of of the same mind. So I called Falvey on Monday and said, hey, you know, why did you stick this guy? Because I also had the people who told me that they were ready to move on from, uh, from Kepler also told me that it was Falvey's call, that Falvey had a bunch of inner statistics he trusted, uh, that he, he thought that uh, Kepler's defensive metrics were under So I asked him, and basically he said that. He said that uh, Kepler doesn't get enough credit for playing pretty much every day, he doesn't get enough credit for his defense. Because he does, he's not really a you know, dive-into-the-outfield-wall kind of guy. He kind of runs through the ball, uh, so he makes it look much more effortless than it really is. He's making very difficult catches. He's catching balls that other people don't catch, but he's not doing it in extra-dramatic fashion. He's just getting to the ball. Uh, and he said the fact that he does have patience at the plate, that he does have power, made it worth waiting on him, and they were rewarded. Uh, they, you know, Really, he's been an all-star caliber player the second half of the season
0: yeah that's for sure and uh i read in your column too that his personality like you just mentioned too is is fa- he's fairly quiet guy so maybe uh easy to kind of overlook him at times when he's showing up every day but that kind of guy is a good teammate too he's not one that's stirring the pot he's not saying things you know he's he's the opposite of a Josh Donaldson
1: yeah he's he's odd um you know he, he raised by uh by german parents and you know one was a dancer and and, uh, you know, he, was, he played at the Fort Myers High School basically right across the street from the Twins Complex, the Twins that have had their eye on him forever. He's grown up in the organization. He's, you know, uh, women tell me he is, like, the perfect baseball player to look at, so he's got that going for him. He's, you know, pretty notorious for dating beautiful women all over the world. He spent this winter in Paris one summer, or one winter he rented out a beach house in Malibu with a bunch of other ball players, uh, and he lives the life, mm-hmm. and and he talks like if if Keanu Reeves was depressed, that's what <laughs> Max Kepler sounds like. Uh, he just he's like, "Hey Max, how you doing? Well, I guess I, I guess I'm all right at the moment." Uh, he's, he's like the, he's got the opposite of a professional athlete's uh, personality. He really does not have a professional athlete's personality. He and I think so. Either he's really deep and intelligent, and he thinks that we are, you know, the rest of the world's below him, or. He just thinks he's deep and intelligent, and doesn't understand that we are a smarter set. <laughs>
0: could could be a vapid athlete. That would be shocking if that were indeed the it, case. It,
1: that could be the case, and and you know. Um we call it smirch. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, athletes once they get money, they think that means they're smart, and that's not always the case.
0: <laughs> not so much. Hey, uh, your guy Lavelli, Neil uh wrote a great column here as well, talking about the Twins and and what he believes they should do in the postseason. Uh, his number one thing is make Joe Ryan the number three starter. Are you with him on that?
1: Uh, well, I think the organization is going to default to that as long as Ryan pitches okay his next time out and looks like he's ready mm-hmm. because he's he's. You know, he's the organizational decision. He's probably going to be their number two starter next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they traded big assets for him. He's been a big part of the team. So I think that's the easy call to make. I think Ober might be throwing the ball better right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ober, Ober looked great last night. Now it was against the A's, and we have to take that in consideration. Yeah. Um, and Ryan has a longer track record, and he's – but. But man, I, the way Over through the ball last night, I'd be tempted to really have him ready in case Ryan hits one of his bad innings.
0: You know, Kent does look pretty good his last couple outings, too.
1: Yep, he did. And uh, they think that he is, because he's done it before, he's an easy shift to the bullpen where, you know, if somebody goes out early or if you need somebody to pitch the 6th, 5th and 6th or 6th and 7th, he might be that guy. Uh, it's, they think it's an easier transition for him than almost anybody else just because he's bounced back and forth throughout his career.
0: Brock Stewart and uh, Chris Paddock are back. Do they fit into the plans for the bullpen for the postseason?
1: I believe so. Because I mean, you're going to have 12 pitchers and only three of them are starters. That gives you nine relievers. Uh, Paddock throwing 99 and Brock Stewart having maybe the second best staff stuff on the staff. Uh, pretty easy to find a spot for those guys. So you know we're looking at a bullpen that could have Duran, Stewart, Varland, uh, Thielbar, Pagan. Uh, Paddock, uh, Jax, and I'm yeah Jax, and then Maeda Ober, I mean, uh, that that'd be pretty good.
0: Yeah. What are you what are you hearing on Royce Lewis? Where's he at rehab wise?
1: I was told that Correa is looking really good, and they're really confident he's going to be able to feel his position really well in the playoffs. Uh, up in the air whether he'll play in the regular season or not to get ready for that. Um, I've been told that Royce Lewis. Uh, if they ask him how he's doing he says, I'm great, I'm, i can play today, you know, and they don't but he's so enthusiastic they almost have to tamp that tamp him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last I heard they were leaning toward keeping him in Minnesota this winter, I mean this weekend, uh, and having him just do full workouts and seeing how the hamstring progresses. Mm-hmm. At the moment they think he will at least be their D H in the playoffs. If the show kind of has a miraculous recovery and can play third base, that's a box.
0: Yeah. So if he is the D H what if Buxton is healthy? What are they going to do with him?
1: I don't see Buxton being
0: healthy. Mm. I don't see. He's not going to be able, He's only played one
1: game this year at center field, so he's not going to play center field in the playoffs. And if he's not going to play center field in the playoffs, then he's just a bad DH. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and do you think that. Let's say Buxton believes he's healthy and ready and wants to play in the postseason. Is that going to create a problem then?
1: It uh, might create a problem, but it also might be a great opportunity for the Twins to say, listen, you know, you want to be a part of this thing, you better get your stuff together. Uh, (laughs) You better, you better get, you know, you better spend this winter making sure that you can play center field next year. Because you know, they, they've handled them very gently. Um, Mm. And that's the way of of modern sports. You don't want to make your most valuable players angry. You want them to feel like they're part of everything, but this might be a nice gentle way for them to say, Hey, we just have to go with our best players and let him figure out, well, God, I better, I guess I really need to fix my knee. If I want to be a part of this thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, you were on Matt Walner early on for the Twins, wanting him to be promoted before they finally did promote him. And, man, he's really taken off here of late. That home run he hit last night, I think they said it was two feet shorter than one Buxton hit earlier in the year, but I don't know how. That thing was a rocket.
1: That was so far. But old Baldelli said it's one of the longest home runs he's ever seen. It's one of the longest summers I've, I've, I've ever seen. One of the longest summers I've ever seen in Target Field. Mm-hmm. And he just got – it was just – when he gets it, he gets it. It's just going to go. A Big, strong, and he's a better defender than I thought. We knew he had a really good arm and a really accurate arm. We knew he played hard. We knew he could hit the ball a long way. We're seeing now uh, some progress in terms of taking at-bats, uh, working pitchers, and also he's a better fielder than I think people gave him credit for.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's talk Vikings a little bit. Interesting. uh, Kevin O'Connell talking about, you know, throwing it out there. If guys can't hang on to the football, I might go to somebody who can hang on to it. Who do you think he's uh, referencing specifically?
1: Madison uh, Hmm. is the obvious one. I mean, he's not going to bench Justin Jefferson. He's not going to bench TJ Hawkinson. Um, It's Madison. Madison had a small window here to prove that he was their number one, and he spent two games making mistakes, and then the third game – uh, he actually, you know, listen, statistically he had a really good game against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he didn't officially have any fumbles. But he dropped a pass and he had two balls come out after the whistle uh, went on. And that makes you really nervous. So yeah. I think they brought Cam Akers here to be one of three backs who could contribute. But now that he's here, if Madison doesn't play well or fumbles again, it's much easier to make a change. And, and you know what? I also thought Ty Chandler ran with some real juice on Sunday. Uh, you know, I, I was a Madison guy coming into the season, but he just doesn't have that much leash.
0: No, it, it doesn't seem like it. And, and he doesn't have that explosiveness that maybe Akers can provide and give you that home run out of the backfield.
1: Yeah, Akers is a more talented player. Ty Chandler, at this point in his career, my, you Now, Madison had some games where he subbed in for Dalvin Cook over the yep. last few years where he just he did bust some 20- and 30-yard runs, mm-hmm. and he looked really dynamic. He has not really looked that way this year. I thought again. I thought he ran better on Sunday, and he was productive. But I mean, he's just—you know—you let Justin <laughs> Jefferson fumble every once in a while because you know what the trade-off is yeah. in making great plays. You know, you can't trade fumbles for average
0: play. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at five, sports of Todd and Suhan. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.